You're listening to the YWAM Nashville Podcast. My name's Cody. My name's Michael, and we'll be your hosts for this season. Welcome to episode three. Episode wow. three. Is it episode three? Going strong. The fourth one, but it is the, the third app. Precisely. Thir- episode wow. three. Our I love guess- how you made none a number. It's, it's like true. the classic children's book. <laughs> made. <laughs> what? Which children's book? That went right over my head. There is a children's <laughs> book. It's not yet been made a classic <laughs> because I think it came out like five years ago. Uh, but it's destined. It's, <laughs> yeah. Destined, Destined for, for classicity. Greatness. Yeah, for greatness. I don't know if classicity is a word, but it just sounded It good. is now. <laughs> you trademarked that. Yeah, write that down. Write that down. So our that lovely voice you hear, our guest today, is none other than wow. Luke. Lovely. Yes, it's me. Flaming arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Light giver. Light giver, yeah. Is that what they mean? Is that what your name means or something? It actually does, yeah. Oh, come on. It means light giver. This is Luke. Uh, He's got three rascally kids. Three I'm of just them. kidding. They're awesome. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, a wife. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a beautiful one. Yeah, it's just awkward to call another man's <laughs> wife beautiful. <laughs> and I couldn't think of another adjective. So Luke just finished this fall's DTS along mm. with Muhammad, who you heard in the last episode. Yeah, Mo. Yep. And uh, now he is in the staff and leadership training what we mm-hmm. call the salt yeah s-a-l-t yes and he's how's that going luke great i love it honestly it's been just like a really good transitionary time so they're transitioning to staff so if any of you lovely listeners come and visit the base you will get to meet these fine folk face to face so what do we got for current events today michael what's going on what is going on? Uh, I don't think we necessarily have anything new. So Ramadan is still going on. For those who may not have tuned into the other episodes, that would be the ninth month of the Islamic calendar, which they dedicate to prayer and fasting and community. So just be <laughs> praying for our Islamic friends as they go through the season just to really encounter Jesus and, yeah. and his heart. The point of fasting is intimacy with God. And if you don't believe you can have intimacy with God, then it's just kind of this weird, like, thing, you know? Mm. So, um, but sometimes God's like, bada boom, you know, <laughs> <just> show up. <laughs> it's true. It's been so happening. pray for it. Contend yes. for it. Ask for it. Yeah, because you can read about, like, revival happening in Iran. And, yeah, like, I was reading this report that mosques are empty. Whoa. Wow. And... The churches are full and actually run by um, the leadership of most of those churches is women, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, just be praying for that as well. It's incredible. As we go through this time, like God is doing huge things. Yeah. Yep. So good. Praying <laughs> for a new Arab Spring. True that. A non-militarized one, to clarify. <laughs> Kingdom of God. Yes. <laughs> the Lord loves Arabs. True that. So, and there's still the virus. You can pray for that. Uh, things are opening back up. We got to have our first meeting as a, a whole base together for worship and prayer this morning. True. That was awesome. It was. And, oh, man. Uh, I missed out. 
It was a rousing salute to King Jesus. <laughs> we had a taco night last night, and that was that, that was yeah. glorious. That Cinco was de Mayo, man! I had a shout out to our Mexican friends. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Shout out, you guys did it right. So it was uh, it was quite loud, and I was like, I don't know how to handle all these people mentally. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I loved the loudness. So yeah, but I'm a loud person. Exciting. Everything's starting to open back up. Um. So, yeah, just be praying for things not to get worse yeah. and to continue mm-hmm. to get better. Yeah. Also, for people to be open to more of Jesus and not just going back to life as it was before. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. True to that. Yeah. It's like whatever the, whatever's going on, whether good or evil, like the Lord's desire is that it would be a tool to draw people's hearts into a place of like, where am I with God and why am I far away from him? So, yeah, I feel like sickness is so sad and the fact that people are dying is so sad and, like, it's sad to God also, but it's like if it has this turning effect, it's like what are our temporal lives compared to our eternal ones, you know? Mm. And if it has this effect of drawing many people to him, it's like... God wasn't the originator, but he uses the bad things for good. And so I feel like that's like the solace that I've taken during this is like, it's horrible. And yet like God uses every bad thing for a good thing to maximize like love and to maximize like drawing people to himself. So that's like, come on, super good. Yeah. Something I was kind of feeling too with all of it is, like everybody prays for general healing and I think that's good. But at the same time, I think the Lord's like, but I gave you the ability to bring healing and to like lay your hands on the sick and, and see them, you know, be healed. And yeah. so I just have been feeling really stirred up in general of the Lord. Like, like I've given you dominion over this, yeah. you know, so jump in and take it. Like if you come across somebody with any kind of ailment, you know, mm-hmm. or, or anything like, don't be afraid to, go and command them to be healed yeah. pray for them lay hands yeah on that anointing yeah i feel like it's also like it's really telling like even just taking inventory of your heart and how your heart responds to um the fact that there's a sickness going on and like how you formulate your prayers you know are your prayers a prayer for general healing because you just want a bad thing to stop or do you want like somebody's eternal eternal life to go from death to life you know also it's really telling like the thought of praying for people that are sick like whatever rises up in your heart is incredibly telling for the condition of your heart and like do you believe what jesus said like when he said to you like pray for the sick or that like um yeah it's just like whatever rises up inside of you is like an opportunity to come back to the Lord and be like, oh, wow, this is what I actually feel like. You know, when the rubber meets the road, this is my heart's response. And um, I think that's been really good for me in this time of like, what do I actually believe about praying for the sick? What do I actually believe about like my subjectivity to the dominion of darkness, whether or not I'm actually liberated from it? And what do I actually believe about God's ability to protect me? 
Um, so yeah, it's been telling. Yeah, so good. Welcome to your favorite part of the podcast. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> it's time for da 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 dad jokes with Cody. 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 <laughs> Just Cody. <laughs> <coughs> Why do ducks have feathers? To cover their butt quacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Somewhere, these are copyrighted. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to call us up and be like, <laughs> Where's remember that money? time you told that joke? You owe me $40 million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that segues us into the it's a meat. Segue. It <laughs> is into the meat of the podcast. <laughs> All right, Luke. Yes. I was wondering if you could share with us what the Lord's been showing you lately. Showing me. What's he been telling you? What's he been telling me? Hi. Well, yeah. Well, I guess this this question is best answered not with a how is it. How has the Lord been, what, is be, what has he been teaching to me and how has he been speaking to me recently? Because um, it kind of, it starts back. All right, take us back, Luke. Take us back. What happened in the time machine? Um, yeah, well, so I grew up as, like, in a Christian home. And so um, as a young boy, I remember, like, hearing the story of Jesus. And it, to me, it, like... The concept of God was a simple one, and obviously any critic could say, well, yeah, of course, like you were told since you were a little baby that there is a God, but um, just from a rational standpoint, obviously as a four-year-old, there's not a ton of rationale going on, but um, everything didn't come from nothing, and so hmm. I knew that it was made somehow, and uh, my parents, like, just because of going to church and like reading Bible stories and watching movies on the Bible and stuff. I just remember thinking to myself one day, like, man, Jesus died for me because he loved me and he wanted me to be with him. So yeah, I remember I was like a four-year-old. I went into my mom and dad's bedroom my, during a wor like a work week, I think, because my dad was at work and my mom, I called her and I was like, mom, I like... I want to, like, ask Jesus to, like, come into my heart, which was the language of the day. Mm. Maybe still, but um, but what I meant is, like, I want to have this acknowledgement that he died for me. Like, I believe it. And so I remember as, like, a four-, or five-, and six-year-old, there's a, an Easter play that the church that we grew up in did. And um, there's one particular scene where Jesus is being nailed to the cross. And I remember like just crying, like sh like not hard, but just like tears starting run t to run down my face and thinking like he didn't do anything wrong. Like the only reason why he's getting nailed up there is because he loves me. And that's like, that was the condition of my heart as a kid. And, and it was like incredible. And I felt like the Lord teaching me like, and I didn't really fully understand but like I did know that like there was some sort of invitation I didn't know from a theological standpoint what all that meant but um I knew there was this invitation to like actually give God my whole life you know to like surrender to 
his rightness and his authority, not just his power, but the fact that he deserves my life because he's God and he's the only one. And I remember distinctly as a kid moments where I was like, ah, but if I give him my whole life, then I'm going to be a boring, lame person. (laughs) And like there was this quintessential or what I thought as a younger kid, this quintessential picture of what it looked like to be somebody that actually like loved and honored God. And it's like not what I wanted whatsoever. Mm. Cause I was really into sports and I was really into like, Oh, this life has a lot to offer of fun things to do. And if I like surrender to God, then I'm not going to be able to do anything that I want to do. <laughs> this sucks. You know, Yeah, like I wouldn't want that. And, um, so slowly, like my heart just started getting like a little harder and a little harder, you know, and there's, I remember distinctly a bunch of these different moments where God was inviting me into this place of like, God, like Luke, trust me, you know, like give me your life. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Cause there's these things over here that I want to do. And if you tell me not to do them and I've like surrendered to you then like I can't do it and I'll be missing out on all these things that will fulfill me. <laughs> mm. And um, anyway, so as I got older, then I just like my heart still wanted to love God. But then there are these distinct moments where I realized that I didn't love him. And there were so many other things that I loved way more and gave myself permission to embrace as of premier importance in my life and that's just the that was the condition of my heart I was like I was talking to somebody the other day and it was we were kind of joking about it but when I was younger you know probably um I'm 29 now probably when I was four five six or whatever on on through like adolescence and um in early teenage years there's this like theme in Christianity at least in in the places that I was spending time in where they would always bring in these people with these awesome testimonies. And by awesome testimony, I mean this person that was a total heathen that was doing all the things that they weren't supposed to do according to the Bible. Yeah. And God somehow got a hold of their heart and they turned completely and became a new person. And so I always heard that and I'm like, well, I want to be awesome too. <laughs> yeah. And so in order to be awesome, because I think this person is awesome because their testimony was like this massive 180 sh- sh- like switch. I'm like, I'm not going to let myself be as bad as them, mm. but I want a good testimony. Cause if I don't have a good testimony, then what benefit am I to anybody? Because there's this theme of, they was always bringing these people that did these total one eighties. And so I'm like, how am I going to like, and this is, there, there was some sincerity in this and obviously a lot of deception and like excuses. But I'm like, how am I going to actually win people to the Lord if I don't ever do anything bad? And so I like really meant it. Like, yes, my heart was deceived. And yes, this was just clearly a scheme like from the enemy to seduce my heart into these temptations that he was placing before me. But this is really what I was thinking. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be as bad as them, but I'm going to do things I'm not supposed to do because it's only if I do that that I'll have 
some platform like some way to be able to speak into other people's life because if i'm just perfect my whole life which is we'll find out as a theme then nobody can relate to me (laughs) which is just the proudest lamest thing to think but really that's what i thought sadly um so yeah i part of growing what's that it's part of growing. yeah it totally (laughs) is um so yeah i i like then like year went by and another year went by and i always had this like total recognition that god could see everything and um but now years had gone by where i was like living in like subtle disobedience and subtle compromise which then led to a little bit more because I'm like, oh man, I feel so ashamed now that I like have missed the mark and I'm sure God is just super annoyed and upset with me and I think maybe I'm still saved but like I'm not sure I am saved because I'm not good enough and there's no turning back. I can't like, I just, I'm just going to have to wait for him to radically save me, I guess, like these other people, you know. Mm. And so I just continue to live, like, um, praying all the time, like thinking about God being aware that he sees everything that I do. And then when I got to this place of, like, really actually trying to do well and to live a righteous life, I was I was indicted on every angle, you know. I was never good enough because, like, I was always being selfish or I was always being a little judgmental or I was always being like too quick to speak or I was always thinking that I knew the right answer and then found out that I was wrong or I was always like, you know, thinking bad things about people and or like lusting after women and all these different things like the full gamut of of righteousness I was falling short on. Mm. And so then just shame compounded and compounded and compounded. Finally, when I was about, I think when I was 21, like 2021, I was like, I really actually want to care about my faith because I really believe that it's true. Like I'd gone for like through a number of years where I was like questioning its validity and, um, thinking, uh, maybe this is just all made up. And if it is, then what's the point, you know? Yeah. And so, I had, like, come on the other side of that, like, not being able to refute at least the fact that I believed that there was a God. Because I considered it irrational to believe that everything could have somehow come from nothing. It seems, like, to defy the basic laws of physics and the basic laws of rationale. Um, And so I was settled on that, at least in my own mind. And, um, so I'm like, okay, I want to actually like be serious about this. And I remember I started going to church by myself cause I, I had got injured really bad in high school and, um, I was going to college and trying to rehab my knees so that I could go and hopefully play soccer in college. And it's like what I loved to do is one of my favorite things. And, uh, in order to be able to get to the soccer games on time, I needed to go to a different church because of the distance from the church that my family went to, to the fields and their, their service times, I wouldn't be able to get there. And so I remember sitting and like, I would like for the first time in years, like started crying again. Like I felt the Lord, like 
touching me and I'm like, God, I've been like going my own way for years knowingly, you know, it wasn't even like I was this person that didn't grow up knowing any better. It wasn't like a Christian. It's like I was a Christian and I chose sin over you. <laughs> and, but I just felt him like just at various times, just touching me and mm. like touching my heart and like in a tender place and being like, I still actually care about you. You know, like yeah. humans at this point, most of them would totally cast you off, but I still care about you and my heart towards you is still good. And, uh, and that kind of started this journey of like, okay, God, I, I want to like give you my life. And to me that meant work as hard as I can to mm. live according to the laws of the Bible. Um, and, and to me, that was the highest honor and level of living was just to keep all the commandments really well. And I got, is that very appealing? What's that? Was that very appealing to you? Uh, no, because I was constantly aware of the fact that I fell short. And so I basically just lived in a constant state of shame Mm, and a constant state of disappointment disappointed in myself being being sure that god was very disappointed in me also and um, so you're kind of in like this weird spot of being like really convinced that god exists yeah and really convinced that you don't really want him but you feel like you have to have him you know that kind of thing i at least have to obey because if i don't obey then there's hell to pay you know yeah yeah so yeah it was a weird spot i had this like self-righteousness of like oh i'm better than everybody else from a righteousness standpoint but then a deep understanding in my own heart that i'm actually twisted and messed up and does like the shame that i feel is deserved and so um yeah so i i actually had this experience um after probably about a year and a half of being like i actually want to be serious about my relationship with god Without really knowing how to explain it, um, the Lord spoke to me through a few different people, um, maybe three or four different people, all in one morning. And, like, in a way that I'd never experienced before, in a way that, like, cut me straight to the heart. And I, like, I, I was just, like, dumbfounded. I'm like, oh, my goodness, he sees me, and he still cares about me. How does he still care about me? Like, I've just been, I've, like, knowingly gone my own way. And I experienced his presence, like, for the first time in a manifest way in my entire life. And it, like, I was shocked. I, like, didn't, I had no concept for it. I, like, I knew that God can do whatever he wanted to, but I just didn't have a grid for it. And um, there's this thing deep in my heart. Um, This guy was praying over me just to say farewell and um, a couple friends that I had gone <clears throat> to visit a YWAM base with and he had prayed over us and he had like in his prayer just like invited the Holy Spirit and um, that was a new concept to me. I'm like, God's always here, you know, but I, I never feel connected to him. But he said like, he's like, Holy Spirit come and I just like immediately felt this like newness of like like God's power but his like relatability and um, deep inside I'm like, oh man, I want him really badly. Like, okay, I'm willing to like forsake all the other stuff. Like he's proved himself to me. And um, 
And so in my heart, I was just like, Holy Spirit, come. Like, whatever this means, God, like, I want you to, I want to have communion with you. Not just to, like, know theoretically what you did for me and theoretically how you interact with me. And then to see, to to be able to see in hindsight times that you've, you've, like, stepped in. But I, like, have this deep longing in my heart for, to relate and to actually have, a real like relationship like I would with a friend and um or a father or whoever else just some something that's is actually like a genuine like I experience um your emotions towards me and and you experience my emotions towards you and um that happened and I just kept on like asking the Holy Spirit in my heart like Holy Spirit come and and then he did and it was insane and I still don't really know how to describe it um but it was like this one experience that I'd uh, that I've had in my entire life where I experienced this like total like I was petrified I'm like scared to death because I'm like oh my goodness God (laughs) is here and and at the same time I was like in my heart I'm like everything's gonna be okay (laughs) you know like at the at the you know the these two like seemingly opposing experiences of like being terrified and yet having this like groundedness of like because he's here it's gonna be okay no matter what happens and um and that like changed my life forever like that one experience changed my entire life forever and um so i i I thought this was the norm in this experience. I'm like, Oh man, you were always near to me, but I never believed that you were near to me or wanted or wanted to interact with me. Um, and so I'm like, now I know this, I'm going to interact with you like this all the time. And because now I know that you speak to me and I can discern it, I'm going to do everything right from here on out. (laughs) And this is really good news because this will make you happy because this is how I love you by doing everything right. Mm. And so, oh oh my (laughs) word. Yeah. Even to that day. And so he's just like, oh, Luke, (laughs) you know, it's like, oh man. Yeah. If only I knew. And so (laughs) I, I was like on fire. I'm like this. I don't care about anything else. I want God and I want to love him with my whole heart. And so that started a journey of then all of a sudden, like actually starting to read the Bible. And as I was reading the Bible from this like heart condition of now that I can hear your voice, I cannot do anything wrong again. And if I don't do anything wrong again, then you'll like me, (laughs) you know, it's like not the gospel, but it was my version. And um, so I started reading the Bible and I was like being indicted at every turn, you know, like reading the words of Jesus and just being like, oh my word, that's <laughs> me. And that's me. And that's me. These things that I thought I was strong in, you know? Yeah. Just like trying harder and harder. Okay. That's not going to be me. I'm going to not do that anymore. And so trying harder and harder and harder to please him you know, and the harder that I tried to please him, the more like, 
two things. The more ashamed that I felt that I was messing up still, the more aware I was when I messed up and the more that my heart became bitter towards him because I'm like, you can fix all of this. You can make me be able to do the right things so that you're happy with me, but you're not letting me do the right things. <laughs> and so therefore sabotaging my ability to make you proud or happy of me. And, and that's so mean, <laughs> you know, this yeah. is like what's going on. And it's, I like would never have admitted it even to myself, but like looking back, this is exactly what was going on. Yeah. It's crazy how it like just makes sense to us in some basic way. It's like, ah, uh, yes, God wants relationship with me, so he must want me to be perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Because how else can you have relationship with a perfect God unless you're perfect? You yeah. Know? It's kind of what, how I viewed it was like, if he's a judge and I'm not perfect, if I if he cares about what's right and I do the wrong thing all the time, of course he's going to be mad at me, you yeah. know, which is, you just, can even like look at some of the scriptures with that lens of like, ah, yeah. oh, this is what he's saying. Do better, suck less. Yeah, really. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's totally. Cause I'm like, oh, so the way, so what it means to believe in God is to believe that he exists. And if you really believe that he exists, then you will do everything in your power to do the right thing. And if you do everything in your power to do the right thing, then he will allow you to be saved. Or at least then he'll actually like you. Out of the people that he does save by his grace, he'll actually like you because you weren't a total screw up like all the other people that somehow got in. Oh, man. Which Such a lie. <laughs> Which is really sad. It's crazy so, how much I see that, though, like in myself and... And like, I don't know, just that people live that way, but you don't like say it all out like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just these like underlying things that you totally operate from, you yeah. know, it's hard to realize until he like shows it to you. Yeah. Then yeah. you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. So what, like what happened to help you realize that and like change the way you see God and like understand how yeah. he feels about you and stuff? Well, that was, that was a, a very not fun journey. Oh, man. So I met who is now my wife. She's the only girl that I've ever met my whole life where I'm like, as soon as I met her, I'm like, I want to, like, I would marry her. She's like, I don't know what it is, but I want to marry her. Did you? And I did, yeah. <laughs> um, and so all this happened in the same few months. So I had that experience with the Holy Spirit, like an unprecedented one in my life. And I met who was this Hannah who became my wife. And, um, and so I'm like on this, like crazy, all these incredible things are happening to me that like, I never hoped for myself, you know, like I maybe had this lingering hope that maybe something good would happen to me, but I typically had this like foreboding expectation that, bad things were going to happen to me yeah. because I wasn't good enough and I was going to be made an example of and mm. until I was perfectly humbled and God would be enforcing, like would be like feeding my pride by giving me any good thing, you know, mm. all these stupid things. And, um, yeah, so I met Hannah, we got married and 
um, soon after I met Hannah, I was still in this place of like, so I had this like dual dualistic thing going on this. I need to do everything perfectly for God to like me after I had this experience with the Holy Spirit. But also I'm like the people that I was around at the YWAM base and the people that like God spoke to me through that like really pierced my heart were telling me that he loves me. And and I had this experience like when he when I had the encounter with the Holy Spirit where I was fully aware that I was totally I had totally gone my own way, knowingly refused God time and time again over the course of my life, and he still loved me. And so there's this thing that I like, that was the introduction, the reintroduction of my relationship with God is that despite all the horrible things that I had decided to do and all the terrible ways that I looked at God and all of the ways that I elevated sin as this beautiful thing to be possessed, um, I, so it like pierced my heart. And so there was this dual thing of like, I need to be perfect for him to like me. And, oh, despite the fact that I was knowingly doing the wrong thing for years and years and years, he still loved me and came after me. And so those things were two operating at the same time. And, and initially the, he loved me despite the fact that I did all these horrible things. Um, and by horrible things, I don't mean that I was like really doing crazy things. Um, in the sense, like, if I were to tell you what I was doing, you'd be like, oh, well, that's most people would be like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, there's lots of other worse things to do. But in reality, it's like I was spitting in God's face every time I was doing them and being like, whatever you think is stupid and I know better than you. So it was horrible. Mm. And um, anyway, so these two things are at war with one another. And um, after a number of months, after I had the experience with the Holy Spirit, then I became basically um, works, works driven, not from a salvation standpoint of like somehow I can earn my salvation, but it, from like a continuing on from salvation, if my works aren't good enough, then God's going to hate me. And so, um, yeah, I started actually reading the Bible consistently for the first time in my life during that time. And, um, I really, with everything in me, wanted to like do well for God and wanted to love people as well as I could. And I figured because I know better, that's then gives me the empowerment to love well so that I don't sin, so that I don't mistreat people slowly, but surely not that slowly, pretty quickly, actually. I was just under this constant fog of like torment day in and day out, accusation against myself, accusation against other people constantly but constantly trying to hold on to what I know to, knew to be true according to the scriptures, that God loves me, that God loves the world, um, that like I'm supposed to love people, and yet the condition of my heart was basically judgmental, but constantly fighting against this judgment. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm, it's just the judgment is a temptation, and I'm fighting against it. But it was this constant, continual thing where it wasn't like this temptation that rose up at various times it was this daily thing that I lived with and um, I didn't want to be judgmental towards people but it was just this like thing that seemed to be not of me but I'm like oh it's probably just my heart like I've done all these bad things in 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 the sense of like I've exalted my opinion over God's time and time and time and time and time again Mm -hmm. so basically 
what was wrought during those years is just presenting itself, which to some degree it was. Um, but then also to some degree it was like clearly a torment thing, clearly this thing that I didn't want that I couldn't shake. Like straight up demonic you're saying? Or? Yeah. And, and I didn't really know better. Yeah. I'm just like fighting cause I know I'm not supposed to think this way or feel this way. Yeah. Um, but like I would always take that as this is this is what's true about me and because it's what's true about me then I have to fight as hard as I can to try to align myself with what God says. Um but it was just like every moment of every day this battle that I was trying to wage that I was never really making any progress and I was actually just getting Man. beaten back further and further and further until finally as I continue to read the Bible more I, um, I like, I always felt indicted, like I was saying, and then I started reading some passages, um, and started like building these accusations in my heart against God and against his character. And I'm like, well, if you do this, how could you be loving? And if you do this, how could you be loving? And if you do this, then how could you be loving? Like, I can't trust you. And, um, and that freaked me out the most because I'm like, if really in my heart I can I believe that I can't trust God, then there's no way that I'm saved. Like, how could I consider myself mm. to be saved, to like trust him for salvation when I don't even trust his intentions in his heart and whether or not his love is actually a genuine love? And so that that was kind of the breaking point. Like it had been a li- like this, these two different revelations of God's unconditional love that chased me down and God's conditional love that's only if I'm doing the right thing where he loves me. And then all of a sudden this thing rose, this thing of not trusting him became evident in my own heart. And I'm like, Oh, I must not be saved. And then I just took this like nosedive and I was like hooked, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, and this is like, it seems ridiculous to think back, but literally for like month after month, after month, after month for, probably like three and a half years, basically right after Hannah and I got married until probably our fourth anniversary, fourth and a half anniversary. I was like in this constant fog of condemnation thinking that there's no way that God loves me. And like, because I don't trust him and there's no way that he's going to reconcile the thing inside of me that doesn't trust him. And so I'm forever held in contempt and this sucks because I can never have joy for the rest of my life. I like literally lived mostly without joy for like four years or a little over four years because I was sure that God didn't actually care about people and he sure as heck didn't care about me. And if he did care about people, it was just some people. Um, but he didn't care about me at all. And he didn't care that I knew that and that I was going to live the remainder of this age under that like feeling. And then forever, you know, he just like, even though I was trying to repent, he didn't care. And, um, so finally I just got to this point where I'm like, and I'm like sitting with God trying to like, I remember having these sweet times with the Lord. I'm like, these couldn't have all been fake, you know, like these experiences couldn't have all been fake. Like the times where I felt, felt him near to me 
couldn't have all been fake. The times that I felt like his love was just like being like shown to me, they couldn't have all been fake. And, but I'm like, so I'm holding on to this glimmer of hope that those were real and that I'm just deceived, mm. which I was sure I was, but I'm like, but if I'm just deceived, why is this going on for year after year after year? And I'm trying to do all the right things as hard as I can. Um, finally got to this point where I'm sitting down and I said, like, God, this is what I think about you. Or this is how I fear that you're like this. And I fear that you're like this. And I just like rattled off this long list of all these things that the Bible clearly says are not what God's like, but somehow I had deduced from the Bible that he was like. Mm. And and I'm like, oh, I'm afraid that you're like this, and I'm afraid you're like this. And I just went down this like really long list. And for the first time in years, I felt this like peace like rest on me. And I was like, and this sounds ridiculous, but I was like, I know I'm if I say these things out loud, like to his face, so to speak. I'm dead. I'm a dead man. A lightning bolt's going to come down from heaven. I know. It sounds so dumb because I've like (laughs) never heard anything like that happening. But I'm like, definitely. He's just, and I'm just going to get wrecked. And so, yeah, I like finally, like after years of this, like I couldn't take it anymore. So I'm like, God, this is what I think about you. And this is what I'm afraid that you're like. And, like this peace just rested on me and I like stopped. I like couldn't keep on going because I'm like, I need, I know these things from a biblical standpoint are all lies, but I believe them and I need to stop because I'm totally disrespecting and dishonoring God. Mm. And if I keep going, then I will, if I have any chance of not being held in contempt forever, I'm about to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) And so Um, So I stopped and then all of a sudden fear just rushed in again and I would just be under this fog of fear and condemnation and shame and it went months and months like that again till probably like maybe maybe six months later I just became exasperated again and I was like and it dawned on me I'm like man the only time that I've experienced peace in the last three and a half years was when I told God all the things that I was actually, that I thought about him that I was too afraid to tell him. And so then I sat with, I just sat down again and I'm like, definitely I'm going to die. You know, like this sounds so ridiculous, but I'm like this, I can't say these things. And like I sat down and I'm like, God, I think that you don't care about people. I think that your love is like not actually real and that you're gonna like change who you actually are like you're presenting yourself one way but you're not actually like that all the time and um all these things like if you really loved people how could you do this to them or how could you send them to hell forever or how like like my perception of what it meant to um be elect and predestination i'm like how can you just predestine some people to to experience eternal torment away from your presence. Like how could you ever consider yourself to be loving if you would do something like this? And, and 
just like a bunch of different things and a bunch of different scenarios from the Bible. And um, his peace just came and rested on me again for the first, for the second time in like four years oh. and maybe three years. I can't remember the timeline perfectly, but it'd been years. And, uh, and I stopped myself cause I'm like, I can't keep on doing this. And this went on for like the next two and a half years. The only time that I would experience his like experience peace during my day was like when I finally came to the end of myself and sat down and I'm like, this is how my heart views you. And this is how I read the Bible. And this is what I think about you. And I know I'm not supposed to, and I'm trying as hard as I can not to think about you like this, but this is how I think about you. And every single time is like peace would rest on me. And, um, like then slowly, but surely like his peace would abide like a little bit longer. And, um, then I'd fear that like, this was all just a mirage and I was being stupid. And then like anxiety and fear would rush in again. And the judgment of myself and of people, shame towards myself and other people, all these different things would start to be like my experience of life. And, um, but slowly, but surely like this is what happened. And, um, and finally, like, we came to the DTS, and um, God had just been teaching me, like, Luke, be honest with me about absolutely everything in your life. And, like, this is the only way for you to know me. Come on. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no way to know me if you're not honest and if you're not open about, like, where your heart's at or how you view me. And it was honestly the only, like, I experienced mercy for the first time. Like, I had talked to people about mercy and grace from a biblical standpoint of, like, oh, man, um, God died for us. You know, that's mercy and that's grace. But to have actually experienced mercy, knowing that, like, I'm standing before an all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty creator telling him that he's a liar and experience experiencing peace from him and this like assurance that like every time I said this, there's like this assurance of like, Oh my goodness. Like he deserve it. Deservedly. So I should have been punished severely for these things. And yet every single time I experienced like love. And so (laughs) how does that even work? Yeah. And so, I just trusted a little bit more every time I trusted, like, ah, I think he's actually merciful, you know? (laughs) And it's like, I'm like, clearly it should have been a lot quicker transition. You know, it seems like if I'm a reasonable human that I would have gotten this a lot earlier. Um, But it took a long time for me. And um, even though, like, I believe that the Bible is true, I believe that God was who he says he was, and yet I had these, like, deep-seated fears about his character mm. um, deep down inside. And But he just started to unravel them, like, time after time after time. And that was huge. And and now, now he's, like, now that there's this foundation of, like, he is merciful, you know? And I'm starting to see that all of his ways, like, are rooted in giving to us life, you know, and not giving us these rules that we're supposed to somehow show our allegiance to him, but he's actually presented to us life 
and we can take it or we can leave it. And um, his heart towards us is always good. And it's our decision whether or not we take the life that he's offered us or we tell him that he's wrong, which from a rational standpoint is stupid, (laughs) but we do it all the time. And um, he continues to show mercy to us. But it's unto something. It's unto us experiencing life instead of just giving us swift judgment, you know, and reaping what we sow today, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Um, It's like he holds out hope for us. You know, he knows everything, but it's like he's holding out hope for us. And it's crazy. It reminds me of the prodigal son when he, like, comes home and he, like, the things that he thinks, he's like, oh, I'm going to get back and I'll just be a slave. This like is what I'm these are say. the things that yeah these like <laughs> yeah. it's evident in this what he he views the father as right it's evident like how he what his perspective of what the father is going to think what the father's response is probably going to be mm-hmm. so he's like so maybe if i just offer to even be a slave you know which just evidences that he doesn't know the father's character and then he gets yeah. there and and god's response isn't like rebuke it's also not in a sense of like like you don't even know me like a correction of anything. It's literally just like an embrace and like, I don't, I, it's like, he doesn't even respond to any of this, you know, it's just like, Oh, just come be with me. And and watching for him the whole time. Yeah. It just baffles my mind, but it's so, it's just so interesting to me that both of the sons in, in their respective ways, like just don't know his heart, you know? Yeah. And even thinking back to something you said earlier of like the something the Lord I've, I've just been pondering with the Lord about is that whole like testimony difference of like, oh, we we like the ones where it's like this person like killed 10 people and was a hardcore drug dealer, yeah. you know, <laughs> versus like I've gone to church my whole life, but I just now encountered the Lord or something, yeah. you know, but it's like both the prodigal son the one that goes away and the the brother that stays back like equally didn't know the father yeah and you hyper focus on the one that goes out mm-hmm. but it's actually about the other one yeah who stays near you know it's just really interesting yeah but, uh, it also it's strikes crazy. me just the lord's patience and all that like yeah he wasn't like oh we need to rush you through this he's like oh we could take time yeah. like we'll work this out you know man man thanks for sharing your story with us luke just yeah in general i it's, love it uh, like one of the speakers in my DTS was like, you know, it's the gospel when it's too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's just kind of been like, it's just stuck with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, I don't know. It just hits me a lot. Cause I feel like I've like in a lot of ways been on a very similar journey. And so it just fires me up. And I think as, as well, like it's a, what just a lot of people like, have these kind of weird things that they just picked up from wherever. Um, yeah. And they, it is why maybe they view God as like some kind of distant and angry, something like they have these mm-hmm. like underlying philosophies that they're operating out of, yeah. Yeah. you know, but like you, you God wants to it really well. Yeah. I think it was well articulated. And I think just being honest with like, Lord, this is what I am like afraid of with yeah. you. And he's like, just like hugs you basically, you yeah. know, Maybe even just listen to this and people find him freedom. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. He's so good. So I think this all segues nicely into, I like that word. <laughs> good segue. 
Sure does. Seamlessly segues. Seamlessly. So I think this all segues (laughs) nicely into the base events that are coming up, which there's one singular at the moment, which would be the Discipleship Training School, which I just want to say is a great place for you to come actually be with Jesus. So good. And encounter Jesus. And I don't know, like uh, we have a lot of people that have come and, and have been Christians for a good amount of time, even if most of their lives and have gone to church for years and these different, these different things. And they, they come in and they're like, Oh, I didn't know it could be this like real and personal. Like they they realize that they've been operating with a lot of head knowledge Mm -hmm. and sort of just striving versus like, I am in relationship with the Lord, you know? And so I think just as an invitation to people, if you want a season of, like diving into the kind of things that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Like that it's just a great opportunity. Yeah. And so for those who don't know, that's a five month school, uh, at least for us. And the first three months is lecture phase. You're here at the base, living in community, learning uh, lots of things, learning all the things. We'll have awesome different speakers in. Come. Yeah, yeah. Lots of teachers come in. It's like three years worth of Sunday morning teachings. <laughs> yeah. It is in a few months. It is. <laughs> like, and you can just go way more in depth in the format of, yeah. of being here and Imagine going somebody week just by week. Unhooks a fire hydrant in your face. <laughs> oh, Jesus, like, yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And then you do two months of of outreach and going overseas and kind of putting things into practice and mm. just gaining more so experience. Good. And it is so I was good. just telling uh, the potential fall DTS student who came to visit. We'll call her TC. <laughs> I was telling TC and her family. From my experience, you get what you bring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to clarify, <laughs> you get out of it what you put into it. So yeah. if you come like seeking intimacy with Jesus and relationship with God and you're like coming with a willingness to lay yourself down and like just find everything that God has for you, then it'll like blow your socks off. It'll wreck but the world in the best way. If you just want to have a nice vacation and post some cool Instagram photos. It's and not going to change much and yeah. you'll be short like $8,000. <laughs> so <laughs> count the cost, my friend. Yeah. And <laughs> if I could just speak into that a little bit, yeah, do it. Um, without being too long winded on it, I've like the DTS was incredible hmm. and the outre- outreach was incredible. And like doing it with the family had its challenges on outreach and, and, during the DTS, but if I can just say for myself personally, um, it was like totally life changing and it's so true. You, you get out of it what you like, what you're willing to put into it in a, like if you're willing to open up your heart to God, he will deposit things in your heart that are eternal. And if you're not willing, then, then there won't be any sort of deposits to be made because there's no deposit spaces to be deposited in. Um, (laughs) But I can say personally, like, I've been a believer my whole life, and I've been, like, earnestly seeking after God for the last seven or eight years almost, and the DTS totally wrecked my (laughs) life, and more happened in the three months during lecture phase than in years and years. And it's just because, like, it's this incredible incubation period where, like, it's really easy to make excuses for yourself as to 
like why you're not spending time with God in daily life. I mean, there's tiredness, there's work, there's all these different things. There's this, oh, well, I listen to these, I listen to these people teach and that's my Bible, you know, that's my time with God or whatever. Um, but when you're here, it's like you literally, there's time slots for spending time with God and there's mm-hmm. time slots, slots for hearing, like learning about a certain characteristic of God and stuff like that. And so, um, there's literally zero excuse <laughs> to not like there's there's zero excuse in saying I didn't have what I the time that I needed to actually get to know God or to to open up my heart to him which is perfect because even for stubborn people like myself <laughs> um, <laughs> it creates this super important um, opportunity hmm. there you have it folks so good so if somebody listening is like should i do a dts should i not do a dts mm-hmm. what would you tell them right now run run for the hills <laughs> yeah. no i'm just kidding uh honest answer if if you don't feel god saying don't do a dts i mean if if you're listening to god and he's directing your life then pray about it and if he says to do something else then obviously that's the best use of your time cuz god knows way best um but if you're not sure and you're just like, I want to grow my relationship with God, but I don't know, but you don't feel like you're not supposed to, then I would say there's only benefit to be had. There are much and worse things you can do. With yeah, <laughs> literally like it is so good for your relationship with God to do a DTS. So unless you feel I'm directing you elsewhere, then it's up for great consideration at least if not just go for it come on right on i always feel cheesy being like i didn't know jesus till my dts (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) on some level it's just unavoidable (laughs) it's like yeah i I mean i am here so obviously i was impacted in some form or fashion but Mm. all right so i think that's all we've got for today (laughs) right (laughs) So it appears that way. <laughs> All right. So guys, we had this awesome ministry host while we were in Thailand and we just like love doing impressions of him because we miss him so much. So you want to do an impression this of our, our good Thai friend? Is honoring. I think this is honoring because we all loved him. So, well, like, I mean, it's been really good to like spend time with you guys and um, maybe until next time. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> That's beautiful. Cody, you got one? Yeah, we take those investments. We put them on the banana tree. <laughs> that one's way better than mine. <laughs> oh, man. I'm the so banana short. tree, they love it, man. They just grow so happy. <laughs> All you Americans come, you leave good investments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That is, that's way more like it. These boys, they come out here. I make them work real hard so they don't have time to think about drugs. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you should tell the the funny teaching story. Teaching story? About them pronouncing things. Oh. <laughs> so I was teaching some kids in Thailand some English. And we were doing, like, just the alphabet or whatever. And I would, like, point to a letter and be like, they would make the sound that it makes. But every time I'd say, like, a says ah and they'd be like ah b says b b 
Whenever I got to L, I'd be like, L says, oh, and then I'll be like, er, <laughs> <laughs> like so confident and like strong. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, we're not racist. It's just true. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. so it was great. They were fun. Well, thanks for tuning in to the YWAM Nashville podcast episode which three start writing these down or something yeah <laughs> we're just gonna start <laughs> naming <off> numbers <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode yeah we're gonna have like five lazy episode approach. nines <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thanks for tuning in and uh we'll see you next Sweater. week sawati cap sawati cap sawati Thank you.